Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, it's hard to believe, but it's Christmas time at Milestone Church. It's one of our favorite times of the year. It's always an exciting time, really because we get a chance to open up our doors, open up our lives to so many new people that come in and they connect with us and we have an opportunity to show them the love of Jesus and to really connect with them this season. And so I want to be the first to say Merry Christmas and I'm excited about this Christmas season at Milestone Church. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 18, that's in the Old Testament, and then also I want you to look at the first book in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 20. So put your finger on those two places, and we're going to talk about some Christmas classics. That's our series for this month. We're talking about Christmas classics, and you're like, what does that mean? Well, we're looking at some classic songs that stir up emotions in us, they're familiar, we love to hear them, we play them over and over every single year, and every time we play them, then it connects with us in a profound way. So a little bit of nostalgia, but really we're not just going to look at the songs, we're going to connect with what the Bible has to say about what those songs really bring out in us. Why do we like them so much? Why are they so popular? And so we're gonna look at these Christmas classics. I do wanna thank all of our volunteers. I wanna thank every single person that's serving people this month. We have so many things in the area of compassion and outreach. We have our large joy event, which we're so excited about. If you haven't signed up, this is the last weekend to sign up. It's Tuesday night, and so we're so excited about that. We have all the different service options. We have a new service option this weekend, and so those of you that are willing to move services, serve people, I just want to say how thankful I am to be your pastor and how you're greeting people and reaching out to people. I have one thing that I'm really excited about, and that is that we have a new set of parking that's coming, all right? So if any of you have had any trouble, you've had to park on the dirt. I know that this whole thing is, is sort of made me out to be a little bit crazy because I remember before we moved to our new facility, I kept saying we're going to have parking spaces and some just to look at. And right off the bat, we started having parking challenges. And so uh, when you come on the property to the north entrance, then you'll notice maybe some stakes out there, and then you're going to start to see some dirt start to move. Well, that's really because of your generosity. Uh, we're getting bids, and we're close to finalizing the final prices, but close to a half a million dollars is what 114 spots cost. So when you pull in that spot, just think, man, I'm in a rich space, okay? <laughs> Um, but nonetheless, very expensive, but all paid for by your generosity. And so I can't thank you enough for making it possible for more people to have access to the message of Jesus Christ, all right? And so it is Christmas, and I always start usually with thinking about Christmas with when my wife says that we have to go get our Christmas family photos, and I got, a, I got a good report that I'm growing in Jesus this year. 
I did better. I had a good spirit. I just sort of just kind of said, I'm going to be good this time. And man, I did. I just, I just kind of just, just had the fruit of the spirit about it, you know, and I don't know why it takes so many shots to get one good one, but you know, we took about 500 and, and you know, up to 498, I was acting well, but anyway, I just worked through it, but I still have this one thing that I need to say to our whole community about these Christmas photos because it's, it's weird, really, to, to be outside, not weird outside taking photos, it's weird when you're outside at Bear Creek Park, that's where we took ours, and, and people are bringing more and more props, okay? There, there were blankets, and then this time I saw people that began, I, I mentioned this a couple of years ago, people brought a couch. Well, this year at Bear Creek, I saw people with like a couch, with like end tables, with lamps. I saw families around, you know, dinner tables. Okay, this is weird, okay? It's just, it's getting weird. But nonetheless, we got our family photos, and I'm also excited about the fact that you'll get our family Christmas card. We love you, and we're excited about this Christmas season. But let's talk about this week's Christmas classic, and that is we're going to talk about the most popular Christmas song and one of the most, if not the most popular, release singles ever, and that is White Christmas, written by Irving Berlin. In fact, he said, he told his secretary, he said, you need to get a pen. I think I have the best song ever written, when she began to help him write it down. Bing Crosby in 1942 recorded the song and over a hundred million copies of this single, this Christmas tune, you look at any chart, you go to any type of Christmas setting, this is a song that's going to come out because it is the most popular, this song, White Christmas. So I was thinking about this song that everyone is hearing over and over, White Christmas, And I was drawn to, as I was looking at the lyrics, I was drawn to this phrase, may your days be merry and bright, and may all your Christmases be white. I think really when you listen to that lyric that there's something in there that speaks to our desires. There's something in there speaking to our longings. In fact, I thought because here in Texas, it's a slim chance. We're just trying to get the weather to get below 50, okay? It's a slim chance that we're going to have a white Christmas. Maybe it could happen. So I just thought virtually maybe we might look at an image like this. Come on now. Did you just, did you feel something when you see that image? It's like, I want to be there. You know, I might play in it for a little while, but I want to be there sitting by the fire looking out at the window of that beautiful scene. And there's something about that fresh snow and it's, it's not walked on and it's not stained and it's not trampled. And so there's something about that image. And why is it, this is the question I want to ask, why is it do we want all our Christmases to be white? It's because of that phrase attached to it. That somehow if Christmas is white, if Christmas has snow, if there's the perfect scene, then maybe my inside, maybe my life will be merry and bright. But when we say white Christmas is our great desire, the sad thing is for a lot of people, Christmas season 
is really one of the times where most of the challenges going on on the inside of them are magnified. Any counselor, any doctor, any pastor will tell you this is the time of year where so many things, maybe due to the hustle and bustle, maybe due to the pressure, maybe due to the amount of responsibilities, maybe the add-on of all the activities, maybe because we're in proximity with relationships sometimes that we're not around that much. A lot of reasons why, but I think one of the reasons why there's so much challenge with this season is we long for it not just to be white, but we want it to be right. We want this Christmas and really all our Christmases to be merry and bright and for things to be right. That's the longing of our heart. And so, so many people this Christmas will think about, I hope I can have a white Christmas. I hope everything can be right. But a lot of people may not know something that I want to share with you. And that is, how do you really have things on the inside right? I I can't promise you snow. I can't promise you that you're not going to have some kind of family challenge. I can't promise you that you're not going to have some Christmas stress. But the Bible has promises for us that go beyond just the picturesque scene of snow to that deeper longing that makes this song, this number one best-selling song with hundreds of millions of copies and people listening to it all the time. And so that's why I had you turn to Isaiah and, and you say, we're going into the Old Testament. Well, the book of Isaiah, you may not know this, it has a lot of the popular Christmas phrases in it because it is the Old Testament book that talks about Jesus and his birth and his life more than any other. It's the Messianic book. And my, many of you may know that, but you may not know the time and the setting of this book. God's people, because of poor choices, are in a place of separation from God. They're in a place of separation. The, the, the Bible word is exile. They're in exile and they're separated from God. And as I began to meditate on this chapter one and begin to look at it, really they're in a dialogue with God about their desire for this this thing that we may be longing for this Christmas, and that is they're looking for something to be made right in their relationship with God because they're separated. And they go to, we'll fix it, we'll stop, we'll clean it up, we'll do this. And so there's this discourse of, God, how can we fix it? And then God breaks into the conversation in verse 18, and he says, come now, let us settle the matter. He's just like, look, let's just get to the bottom line here of what's really going on. And he says this, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Notice the contrast, shades of red contrasted with perfect, beautiful white. Shades of red, crimson, scarlet, and white. Notice the double emphasis of it so that the passage really tells us what God's trying to say. He's trying to say that, in fact, all of us know this, if something is white and you get red on it, it doesn't come out. It's stained. And so for emphasis, he says it twice, and he says, I'm going to take this stained And in the normal, natural way, it can't be unstained, and I'm going to turn it into something white. It can't happen by natural means. 
And I would say for your Christmas to be right, for your insides to be right, for your soul to be right, for the things you're longing for to be right, here's something a lot of people don't understand, and that is this, that in the way God makes us right, it doesn't add up. It's not good math. It can't happen in the natural, but something supernatural can produce that kind of change. Something supernatural can make that which is crimson totally white. And 700 years before, and the reason I told you to turn to Matthew, 700 years before what we celebrate at Christmas is the story of Jesus. And Jesus is the supernatural provision to take the stains on the white and to make them totally clean. And so we take the Christmas story, there's so many parts of it, but I think right here in Matthew there's an interesting part of it, and that is Joseph's side to it. A lot of times we think about Mary, a lot of times we see all the other pieces, but here in Matthew chapter 1 we see Joseph, and Joseph was a man of integrity. He was a man who was engaged or promised to be wedded to Mary. She's probably 14, 15 years old, and then all of a sudden, there's this supernatural thing that is said that she is now pregnant by the Holy Spirit, a supernatural provision, and yet he's dealing with it in the natural, and he's trying to find a graceful way to deal with this situation, and really what it is, he's trying to find a way that he can move away from the relationship in a respectful way enter a supernatural occurrence. Look what it says in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus And look what it says here. Here's where the provision that Isaiah was alluding to. This is where the stains are changed. Look what he says. You name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Okay? So we've thought about a song. We've looked at the precursor to the Christmas story. We've looked at a little piece of the story with the life of Joseph. And so all of us are wondering, okay, how do we have the right Christmas? How do we really bring this that we're longing for into our lives? And I'd like to sum it up with something that I'd like to really talk about for the next two weeks. I'd like to talk about, over the next two weeks, a principle, a biblical concept, a biblical supernatural provision that turns scarlet and crimson sins white as snow and white as wool, and how God actually does that in our lives, and that's through a powerful, powerful gift that he gives us called forgiveness. It is one of the most mind-blowing things that he supernaturally provides for us, and that is forgiveness. And so maybe you've heard the term, maybe you've tried it in your relationships, maybe you've experienced it. But I'd like us all to think about it because if we're going to have this, 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 this thing out there, I think it's bigger than Christmas, this longing that we have, then we have to know how to engage with this supernatural provision called forgiveness. And I'd like us to think about it together by asking two questions here 
this Christmas about forgiveness. Let's just ask a couple of questions. Here's number one. The first question that you may be asking is, why do I need forgiveness? Why do I actually need forgiveness? I, okay, Jeff, I want what you're talking about, but, but why do I need forgiveness? Well, let's, let's, let's go on a little journey here for just a second and think about it. Okay, let's, let's, let's really think about it. Why do I need forgiveness? Can you remember the first time you made a mistake? I don't know when that was. I don't know. Maybe you can remember, remember back to early, early childhood. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know where your, your memory place stops. But I don't know if you can remember back to that time where you, you, you hurt someone's feelings really bad and you were like, I, that was wrong of me. You were very selfish. Maybe you stole something. Maybe you disappointed or didn't please your parents or you did something. How, how many of you can remember the first time you missed it? How many of you can really remember that? Okay. How many of you can remember the time, maybe it's a little further back, or maybe it's fairly recent, where you committed some kind of big mistake, massive mistake. No, no, I'm talking about one of those that you go, okay, I didn't think I would go that far. I didn't think I would push it that far. I didn't think I would step that far into looking at those things or into engaging with that person that I shouldn't have engaged with, into cheating in that realm that far that I shouldn't have cheated. I mean, you, you, you went so far that you actually baffled yourself and said, I, I, don't, I don't even know how I did that. Or, or maybe, maybe you've even thought about it in this way where you remember, you go, I don't know if I can come back from this one. I don't know if I can even get back from this one. I, this may be irreparable. Okay, so if you've thought about that, here, and by the way, it's not just remembering the mistake, and it's not just really experiencing, quote unquote, the big one. It's what comes with it. It's what comes with it, because what comes with it from the very first time there was a mistake made that we read about in the first human beings what came with it was the guilt, the weight of it, the fear, the shame, all of that that comes with it, upon it. See, that's, that's, that's all the stuff that comes with it that's really what weighs us down. So why do we say, I want my days to be merry and bright, I want a white Christmas, is what we're saying is, I, I want to unload all the stuff that came with those mistakes. I want to know how to get rid of all of that. Now, I'm not much of a closed person. Some of you that have attended Milestone have probably recognized, like, his brother's got, like, two sport coats. If you saw me during the week, I have, like, I have, like, five shirts. See, I don't like spending energy on things that don't matter. So I have, like, I have, like, four, five, six shirts. I have two or three pairs of pants. And I have some other clothes that my wife bought and puts in there, but I'm not going to wear them. And so I have... <laughs> 
I just have just a few things, and I just rotate my favorite golf shirts, and then when it's winter, I rotate a few of my favorite things. So I just kind of just rotate the same stuff. I have two sets of socks in my drawer. I have black dress socks and white running socks, and so I just have just, it's just you know, I'm a simple guy with just a simple wardrobe, and so I don't, I don't have a lot, of, a lot of clothes, but there's, there's a problem with that, okay? The problem with it is, number one, my son wears the same clothes as I do. So he inadvertently goes in and gets these things, and it's like, and I know they're missing, and it creates tension, okay? It's like, that's, in my, that's my Thursday rotation, brother. I mean, come on, all right? And what's worse about it is, is when, this is another big problem with only having a few things that you like to wear. A few weeks ago, I had one of my favorite shirts got something on it. Okay, got something on it. Actually, it wasn't just the food, it was the oil from the food. Okay, and so what happened was I come to my wife. Now, I'm ignorant to like how you get stains out, right? I don't know how this works. I figure in today's culture and in today's society, any stain will come out. I don't know. I'm learning. I'm like, is it magic marker? You know, I don't know. What, what are the things you can't get out? And so I brought it to my wife and I thought, can you use one of those pins? Can we get one of those pins on it? Can we ah, shout it out? I mean, I don't know. What can we do for this? Because this is important to me. And you know, it was, I'm being dead serious. It was like emotionally heavy when my wife said, that's not coming out. It's not coming out. So what do I do? That's my favorite shirt. And you know what the fact is when it comes to a garment? If it gets stained and you don't, if you don't want to walk around with stains, you throw it away. It's lost its value. It's lost its whole purpose. When it's stained, it's useless. But here's the thing that I want to share with you that I experienced at 12 years old, and I'll never forget the revelation the revelation that I had, one, I had a revelation of who Jesus was and that I could live eternally with him was the first revelation. The first time, I'll never forget when I really, really, I mean, I'd grown up around hearing the message, but when I heard that message that I could be with him eternally here on earth and in heaven, it, it really struck me at a deep level. But then the thing that was so powerful to me was this idea that I didn't have to die with or in my stained sin, but that someone would die for my sins and my stain. That I didn't have to die with it, I didn't have to die in it, I didn't have to live with it. Someone died for it and someone gave me a different garment. And so one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Because it explains, by the way, Hebrews 9 says, by the way, Hebrews 9 says, there is no removing of the stain. There is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. But what happens is when you understand that baby that we celebrate at Christmas grew up, died on a cross and rose from the dead, but that death on the cross purchased for us the gift of forgiveness. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us what happened in that moment. It says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. 
The new garment has been given. The white Christmas that you're longing for, the right insides, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And so Paul starts using strong language. He starts saying, look, can you remember your first sin? Can you remember the big sin? Can you recognize that you have stains? He says, look, I'm begging you. He uses the word implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so that is the picture of a stained life that goes farther than you ever thought being made white and righteous in him and the great exchange of getting a new garment. And so I'll give some of you the opportunity to say, look, if it's that simple, in fact, it's mind-blowing. Are you saying, look, somebody else died, Jesus died to give me a new life and a new, you're like, that's hard to believe. Well, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive that. But even for those of you who have received that, you may be saying, okay, I, I, I remember when I believed that. I remember when I recognized that. I want to talk to you about How do you continue to experience that? Because there's something found there at the end of that passage where it says, not only did he make us a new creation, we become something. We become something different. How do you continue to experience the power of forgiveness? How do you continue to have that thing we're all longing for? It's not just a one-time moment. It's a continued lifestyle that you live. And it's continuing to come back to that place of where you not only got a new garment, you changed your position. You became a new person, a new creation, and you became literally the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the sad thing is a lot of people say, okay, well, look, I know about Jesus and I understand, but they still relate to Jesus in the wrong way. I got to thinking about it right now in Santa Claus time. Now, I'm not dogging Santa. My father-in-law, he dresses up like Santa and goes around and becomes Santa and grows a big white beard, so our family's into Santa, no problem with Santa. But think about Santa and Jesus, okay? Santa is, he's coming to town. And guess what he's doing? He's checking his list to see who's been naughty and who's been nice, and you are, he's going to respond on the basis of his list. And so I'm going to measure your list, and everyone who's not been naughty, and if you've been nice, then you're going to get all of these blessings. Let me just contrast. I'm not trying, it's not even a fair fight between Jesus and Santa. But a lot of people relate to Jesus thinking that's what Jesus did. He came on Christmas, and now what he does is he came and he's kind of checking the list to see who's been naughty or nice, and he's going to give provision for those who have measured up to the right standard. No, no, actually, all of our list says that we have a stained garment. And we didn't have the ability to achieve it, and our list looks bad. And what happens is when we accept the gift of forgiveness, he changes us into a new creation. And then get this, we become, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I think there are some maybe here who say, or listening to me and you say, look, I I know Jesus came to save the sins of the world like that 
angel told, told Joseph, I know Jesus came maybe to give me the opportunity not to die in or with my sins, but I'm going to tell you where power is. You say, how is their ability to live the right way in a dark world today? How is their, how is their power to, to choose the right thing? How, is there, how, how do you have the power to even be able to function with all the temptation in the world around? Let me tell you what it is. It's yes, you accept the free gift of getting a new shirt, but the, the verse doesn't stop there. You know what you've become. You've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And now you have been translated into a different position. And so now every time you think about going down this path or that path, you keep coming back to who you actually are. You keep coming back to what he's actually done in your life. I, I find this, again, the enemy so deceives us. And I find how it keeps people from having a white Christmas. I was ministering to a guy the other day. He was saved in our church. He was saved at the old building. Radical salvation. Had never been to church. Had never heard about Jesus. Had never heard the message I'm sharing with you. This message that's mind-blowing. He gave his life to Christ. He was water baptized. And then went through a very difficult event, which is what typically happens. We don't know how to process some kind of difficult scenario. And we walk through that difficult scenario and the enemy wants to change our perception of God and change our perception of ourselves and what God has actually done in our lives. And he said, I'm just, I'm just ashamed, Pastor. In fact, it took him several months to even talk with me. He said, I'm just ashamed. I've kind of walking away. I've kind of messed up a little bit. I'm kind of over here. And he's just like, I don't know if, if God would really want me. You know, I, I want to. I said, do you have children? He said, yeah, I do. I said, if one of your children were to walk away and kind of walk down the wrong path, would it hurt you? He said, absolutely. I said, well, if your child like walked away for an extended period of time, would you ever stop loving them? No. I said, well, what if that child said, you know what? I know I've kind of gone the wrong way. I want to come back to you. I want to come back. I want to reconcile the relationship. I want to, I want to, I want to come back, but I don't feel like I can. What would you tell them? And he immediately started crying. He said, I know what I tell him. I tell him, come on back. Come back. To, come, come back. Let's talk. And I said, and so it is with God the Father. Through the person Jesus Christ, he not only gives us this new unstained garment when we spill a little or we mess up a little or we move through life a little, to stay in that place of white as snow is to continue to return to not just the fact you've been forgiven, but because you've been forgiven, you've been made righteous. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so when you begin to see it that way, here's what it does. It changes how you relate to God. It changes how you live your life with God. And I'm going to tell you, it changes even how you relate to others. I'm going to spend next weekend, I want to encourage you to come back next weekend, and we're going to look at a, a famous Christmas song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Everybody wants Christmas to feel like home. The problem is there's so much relational difficulty and challenge, and there's so much unforgiveness and offense and issues in our heart. But the reason I belabored these points of you asking the question, do I need to be forgiven? How do I continue to experience that forgiveness? Because the Bible's very clear. 
You can't offer what you haven't experienced. You can't offer what you haven't received. You are only able to give from that which you have received. And when you're acutely aware of your need for that forgiveness, you possess the supernatural ability. I could give you four or five situations of people that I'm dealing with right now, and the common response I get is to forgive? How do you do that? The math doesn't add up. When white, beautiful snow gets stained red, it doesn't come out in the natural. It doesn't come out by natural means. It doesn't come out by human ability. It doesn't come out by your obedience or your ideas or your intellect or your understanding. It only comes out by supernatural God provision. And so God's process for us in the area of forgiveness is to learn how to really receive that, really receive it. I had someone very close to me that I was talking with recently, someone that I really respect, really a mentor figure. We're driving down the road. And he began to share with me as I was talking about, we're just talking about Christmas is coming up and he said, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, Christmas for me, I'd never heard this. I've known him for a long time. He said, Christmas for me still has some pain in it. And I said, why? He said, well, when I was nine years old, my parents bought me a stereo with an eight track. For all you young people watching, that's like a plastic thing that plays music. You'll just have to look it up on the internet or something. But he said, this stereo is a great gift, and our parents gave, gave me that gift and my siblings, and then after we received the gift, they said, we're getting a divorce. So every time Christmas comes around, I have this feeling back to this time that's supposed to be the happiest time of the year, but yet it has this painful mark with it. He said, but at 19 years old, at nine I experienced that, but at 19 years old, I experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in my life. I experienced not only the revelation of the fact that he now has made me fresh, he has made me new and I'm a new creation, but I recognized that I wasn't just forgiven, I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And even though I dealt with circumstances and situations and challenges along that I said, even at 19, it's not like God extracted me from some of the challenging circumstances I was walking in. I was able to continue to walk with the heart of God, to please God, to pursue God, because I knew who I was. I knew what he had changed me into. I knew I was a different person. Something, the old had passed away. The stain had been washed away. And I'd become new. As I heard that, I thought, there could be someone this weekend listening to me. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads with me, every single person. Every single person, no matter where you're at. And you may be saying, I, I want to be washed fresh, white, and new. I'm tired of the stains. I'm not only tired of the stains, I'm tired of the weight that comes with it. I'm tired of the guilt. I'm tired of the fear. I'm tired of feeling like I'm not acceptable to God. Well, let me tell you, 
you may, for some reason, someone brought you here or you just heard about it or whatever reason you're listening to this message, God has a way of sort of setting us up and putting us in scenarios and we don't even know how we got there and you're like, okay, if that's really available and it's that simple that Jesus did it for me and he can make me new, then I want it. Well, I want you simply right there where you're at to say, Jesus, make me new. I say that to you honestly, not just preach your words, but I say, Jesus, make me new. I come with my stained garments. I come with the mistakes. I come with my brokenness. But I thank you for your death on the cross. You died to pay for what I couldn't pay for. You rose from the dead. I believe that, Jesus. I believe in you. I don't understand it. Maybe you don't even understand it all. But I believe you, Jesus, are the only answer. I believe you came to save people from their sins. And so I receive you today. I confess you. I want you to be my Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. I want to serve you with all my life. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed. And if you prayed that prayer right now in the aisle, I'm asking every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I just want to know who I prayed with. And, and, and I also want to just give you a simple gift. The gift is a Bible. So if you would, would you just slip your hand up? If you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you no matter where you're at. No matter where you're at, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Pastor Jeff, I, I meant it. I want to walk out of here lighter. I want to walk out free. Just keep it up there for a minute so that ushers can give you a card. That card will help you get a Bible that I want to give you to help you get started in your journey. And so you can take that Bible right out into the foyer. You can go right out in the foyer, look for the big Christmas tree right there around that big Christmas tree. There's going to be some of our pastors. Even if you don't get a card, you can go there. We're going to have some of the pastors and volunteers and people there ready to talk to you about what I'm talking about. You may have some questions. We'd love the opportunity to serve you. Second group of people I want to pray with is those that say, Jeff, I've prayed that prayer, but I need to experience that at a different level. And Father, I'm asking you right now, even for people who know they're a new creation, give them a greater revelation of the change of their position that you see them as your children. They become your righteousness. That they would lean on that, that they would recognize that. I pray you'd wash them fresh and new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 